good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain Nutrition Chewing the Fat Podcast Episode 55. Fucking five. Joe, what we call this? What we talk about? The real reason you, James Walker, are fat. Because I like to eat a lot of chocolate. <laughs> I just said chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the real reason why you, the listener, are fat or struggle to lose fat or have disordered habits. If you're not yes. fat. Not necessarily calling people fat. We're not fat shouting. I wouldn't have. Cool. This, this, this was your idea. <laughs> I said, don't call it that. <laughs> Why do I not know the name of the podcast every week then? Right. Because you're an idiot. Insolent. So, this is slightly inspired by something Joe's reading. Fences put his head in front of the microphone. Uh, and then also a mini rant from me. It's getting to that time of year. It's the festive period, Joe. You've done any Christmas shopping yet? Of course not. Naturally. So, now you're a Christmas present for our first, <laughs> first birthday. Naturally, done nothing. Um, and it's the time when I will see so on Facebook I'm friends with a lot of PTs stuff like that you'll get them taking pictures of like the huge boxes of celebrations and heroes and other delicious chocolate confectionaries uh, stacked up you know two metres high outside Asda they'll be like this is the reason why we've got an obesity epidemic this is the reason why people are fat blah blah and it's slightly inspired by um one of the guys from the Movember Challenge um, had given blood and then the only kind of foods available were high calorie stuff. So it was like biscuits and uh, crisps and they were kind of saying, you know, this is obviously a problem why people are obese. And it's not because high calorie foods are always going to be available. It's the fact that you choose to eat them. That's the reason. You need to take some kind of ownership. You know, I can walk past boxes of celebrations not buy them because I'm too tight uh, because I just don't want them but they're still available you know these high calorie foods are always going to be available to you the reason why you're fat is not because they're there it's because you choose to eat them yeah I was just talking to one of my clients now who was saying that um, she was saying that whenever people offer her food she's really good at not having it when she's left her own devices that that's when she kind of breaks so I think she'd some bananas, made some banana bread, and then eaten a fair wedge of that, and that was where she was saying she is very good. You know, can, if she is listening to this, I want to get across that. You know, on the whole, she's very, very good, and she's not got a long way to get to her goals. But it's these little indiscrepancies and misdemeanors that kind of hamstring her sometimes. And but it's the kind of thing that no, don't worry, and doesn't mean I'm about to say something else. Good. Um, I jumped in at the perfect time. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that us as coaches want to address. You know, I think the, the, the huge thing I always try and put across to clients is we don't want people to be perfect. We want people to make sensible, controlled choices that they're happy with. So, you know, if your client did get to a goal or when she does get to a goal, if she's still making these choices that she's not happy with, 
then that needs to be addressed. If she wants to change it. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, because she said, is there a cure for this? And I think that when you've got a defaulty, defaulty? Defaulty, definitely not a word. If you've got a, a faulty default, that's what I was looking for. A, yeah, a, the way that you act subconsciously, you know, she doesn't go, oh, you know, I'd really like to have something I've planned now. It's just what she does. Yeah. And that's what you need to look into. And it's the, you know, we were kind of throwing around crap ideas this morning for a podcast and I was saying about the book I've read, which is, uh, or reading, which is Russell Brand's book about cure to addiction. It's basically his 12 steps, which is taken from the 12 steps of Alcoholic Anonymous, but kind of Russell Branded. It's really good. Russell Branded. <laughs> yeah, you like that? Very good. <laughs> um, and then it's a big part of this is kind of taking responsibility. And I've never looked through the the 12 steps of all. I've done a bit of reading about why AA is so successful. It kind of popped up in one of my books. So I was aware of kind of how religious, you know, the, its base in religion um, is. And it, there it's is like, a, it's like a prayer and stuff also, isn't there? Yeah, there's loads about like submitting your will to God and asking for help and things like that. And one of the things that was, that kind of we brought up straight away that James kind of, and this is where the, the things kind of, our ideas kind of met. Scissored. Was that you need to admit that where you're at right now and that you can't, most people cannot do this. And that they will lose weight for a little bit and then they'll put it back on or they won't change their patterns. You know, you're saying they'll get down to healthy weight but they still have issues to work on. And not to make this too salesy, but this is what we do or we help people with. And why a lot of the time when people do a week, and then they go, I'm going to go on my own. You know, I've got my head in my hands because you know that they're not going to get anywhere and that people just aren't willing to put their hand in their pocket or when people do put their hand in their pocket, they're not willing to put the time in that's needed. So one of the things that uh, Brand, Russell Brand does in the book is taking like a massive personal inventory of all the people who've ever upset him and then basically whether it was their fault and his, all his faulty patterns. And he said it, it took him five years and two days to do it of five years of putting it off and then two days of solid writing to write it all down. And it's just that people aren't willing to put in the time because it's hard, because you've got to look at the things that you're doing wrong and question where you're going amiss. And I just really liked, there's quite a few things about it that I really like and that have worked really well for him and would work really well for a lot of our clients if they, if they did them. Yeah, I think the ownership thing is just huge. It's huge. Because as soon as you take responsibility that everything that you eat and drink is your choice, is your responsibility, you know, unless you're a baby, then it's very, very empowering. You know, there's going to be certain situations where, you know, you go around to other people's houses to eat. You know, you might go to, you know, I had a, a client today who went to the pub and like all the food choices were shit. Like, well, I, cool. Then you just have to make the best of a bad situation if you choose to. But that's still your responsibility that you put yourself in that situation, you know. Because um, the other option is you can not eat. Yeah, or you know you can control you control it by taking your own food. You know, if your partner cooks for you, then you you know, and they cook a shit meal. You know, you go home and you're expecting something delicious and nutritious, and actually they've gone, I'm really tired, so I've got fish and chips. You that's still your responsibility to eat that. You know, you could still technically cook your own food. Or you can choose to have that, but then that's still your choice. You can't just go, I had to have fish and chips, my husband had bought them, or wife. You can do that, and people do do it en masse, but you've just got to accept that that is 
the buck stops at you. And yeah, it's like that, that thing of kind of when people go to Alton Towers. I don't know why people think that there's going to be awesome food choices at Alton Towers. Um, and then get pissy that there's... The jerk chicken shack. Yeah, so get, get pissy that um, all the food choices at Alton Towers are crap. And they have to eat a footlong hot dog. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, of course, because... But then it was your responsibility. You need to take ownership that you went there without any food or without any kind of knowledge of what you were going to eat or where you were going to eat. That's still your choice. And it is. It's tough. It's a bit of a bitter pill to swallow because people spend their lifetimes with this being someone else's fault. And it's not. And I think the, the bit that I quite liked was that your decisions have got you to where you are now. So your default settings, your coping mechanisms, your excuse giving or poor solution finding is what has gotten to you where you're at right now. So without changing this, you're not going to fix anything. There's a you know this inherent belief that food is going to make things better, and people often say, "I know this is the case." I know that alcohol's not making me happy. And a few people say it today thinking on it now. But then why can't I change it? And it's because you've not dug any deeper to, to what the, the root cause is. So one thing you were saying the other day, we were talking about goal setting and someone said, I'm going to have to buy a load of new clothes. So what? It doesn't matter. You know, it's a couple of hundred quid. Mm. Yeah, don't be wrong. It's a lot of money. I'm not saying that I'd like to throw around a few hundred quid for no return. But it's not painful, is it? It's not actually motivating. It's not driving. It's not, there's not a root fear there, is there? So one of the, the parts of the book today that I was listening to was he was saying, what was, what was he specifically talking about? So he's um, stolen a paparazzi's glasses for taking pictures of his mm. wife. And he just said, you know, why, why did that annoy you? And, it, and he dug down and dug down and dug down. And his root fear that he wasn't able to take care of, his, of himself and his family and that the fact that someone's taking, why could he not just ignore the photographer? Why could he not just walk past him? It's because it was triggering this fear that he's got that he is unable to, to look after himself and his family. And that's what it, the issue is. And that's where we need to, to look at is what are your real fears? Like what happens if you don't change? Why is being as you are right now pretty shit? And I think one of the one of the problems is we're working with a demographic, so I'm gonna wrap it here, of people who are quite insecure and often lack confidence and then they don't feel great about themselves. So empowering them is brilliant. Like these people do need to feel good about themselves. It's really important that you don't just feel crap because this is not gonna help the journey either because people will then, they'll feel bad, so they'll eat. Their coping mechanism to that way of feeling is, is high calorie. But then we can't also just have people feeling really good all the time because then there's no drive and there's nothing to push you into change. You know, it's when someone gets a really powerful goal and they say that their current situation is not good enough, that they're then willing to change. Whereas if you just say, hey, everything's okay, you know, like, I don't have to buy a, new, buy a couple of new items of clothing, then why are you gonna change? There's no real reason to change there. And it's, it's balancing that fine line between deciding when to feel like shit and deciding when to feel good. Like, you don't want to be feeling shit all the time, but the flip side of that is feeling good all the time is not gonna get you anywhere either. Yeah, and how to use that as well. I wrote uh, an email about like saying when, is, when it's enough is not enough. And like Joe said, it's that fine line of, you know, you can look at yourself and be like, I look like shit. I need to do something about this. Or, you know, and that can really be massively motivating because you're like, I don't like shit. I'm going to actively change this. I'm going to improve my food choices. I'm going to, you know, be more consistent. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Or you can look at yourself and go, I look like shit. What's the point? And that's, you know, obviously the one that you want to avoid. Or I look like shit. Therefore, I am shit. Yeah. And you're your 
losing the reality here, I was just going to mention a bit about Ben Askren, who's a UFC fighter who got knocked out in like four seconds. So the fastest, the fastest ever knockout, and he was like a, a humiliation. You know, it's humiliating for him because he was billed as being really good. And then they said, "How do you, how are you finding this loss? You know, having been billed as being so good." And he said, "I just I'm not that bothered because I'm not defined by how good I am as a fighter." He said, "The things that really matter to me aren't my win loss record. You know, it's." leaving a legacy to be proud of and there's going to be losses in that I'm just freewheeling here and obviously his family as well you know he decided that these things weren't that important it wasn't everything to him so it's fine you know if you I've had it before I looked in the mirror and gone this isn't good enough I need to change this that's motivating but then I don't go I'm absolutely useless and there's no good in my life and I'm not helping anyone or adding anything or I'm not I've got no worth because that's a massive extrapolation and there's loads of things that you do add and it's trying to keep it in perspective of using it to motivate you but not using it as a stick to beat yourself up with. Yeah, it's that fine line instead of looking at yourself and be like, this is not good enough but I'm better than I was yesterday and I'm going to be better tomorrow than I am today. And you're constantly moving away from you know where you are at right now which is only a positive thing. You know, That's why you've got like people like Richard Branson and Elon Musk and stuff like that who are still pushing themselves. You know, Obviously they could have just gone like, I'm good now. I'm happy where I Richard am. Richard Benson owns an island. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but they're constantly pushing themselves because for them, you know, what they've got right now is not good enough. But that's not a negative thing. I'm sure they're not like, oh God, I've only got hundreds of millions in the bank. <laughs> oh, this is not good enough. But they're still, you know, constantly pushing themselves for more, which can only be a positive. I think going back to what Joe was saying, like I think times of stress and stuff, people will go to their lowest level of training. Um, you see it a lot with fighters or people who get ready for a fight. So when I used to teach Thai boxing, you'd have people who um, looked fantastic on the pads. You know, great technique, great combinations, really composed, and they'd spar, they'd be sparring with the friends, it'd be really, really good. But when it got to a fight time, it just got to shit. It got to windmills, there'd be no technique, they'd blow out because they've gone to that lowest, you know, because it's still relatively all new to them. And if you see the same thing with dieting. It's a stressful situation, isn't it, where you aren't able to have the environmental factors where you feel relaxed, someone with the pads, people you know, a familiar environment. So as soon as you're taking that side of that, your brain changes. I've got to remember, it's the same with people doing talks, isn't it? Yeah. I remember when I tanked doing that, doing the elevated pitch, and I did it 50 times in succession perfectly, but you stand me up, you put me in front of people when it matters, and I just funked it, because that's what happens. But that's what happens when you know, people will start off a, a diet, and then the stressful situation will happen, whether that's work, you know, family, partners, whatever it is, and then you'll turn back to your lowest level of training, which will be to sedate yourself by you know, your food and your drink choices. You can't expect that to change without addressing you know, kind of what's going on. You know, we always go on to, you need to put these barriers in front of these, you need to practice these things, you need to, you know, there's never a time where someone does like a binge or emotionally eats, they go, I'm really glad I did that. I enjoyed every bite. Yeah, they're always really pissed off. They're always upset. They're always really frustrated and annoyed that they've done it. So you'll get that food down. You're like, uh, emotionally, uh, I'm really pissed off. I'm not sure why I do this. Blah, blah. So you know immediately that this choice is actually going to do the bang opposite of what you think it does. So short term, you think, I'm going to eat 15 Easter eggs. It's going to make me really, really happy. I'm not going to give a shit. Good luck you can find Easter eggs. But you are going to give a shit. It's November. Yeah, but long term, you know that you're going to instantly regret this. So it's kind of how can you remind yourself of these choices? And like, you know, we've mentioned, feels like a hundred times in the podcast is you've got to get past these, 
this idea that these food choices bring you pleasure when actually they just keep you in 24-hour pain. So it's how do you remind yourself of that? Do you keep a, a note on your phone? Do you record a voice note or a video? Do you have a picture of, you know, whatever it is that's motivating you, whether that's a holiday, whether that's your kids, you know, whether that's a family member, whatever it is, you need to just take that step back. You need to put that barrier in front of yourself and be like, I want to turn to this low, low level of training. I want to drink a bottle of wine because I've had a shit day at work. But I know that tomorrow I'm going to massively regret this and it's going to keep me where I don't want to be. It's going to stop me being better tomorrow than I was today. So it's how can you do that? What's going to work for you? There's a lot of readiness to change stuff in there too, isn't there? About where are you at right now? And one of the ladies I spoke about earlier was saying, I'm not ready to give up alcohol yet. Or I'm not ready to give up for good. And I think that sometimes you don't have to give up alcohol forever. Today, you only have to get through today. Mm. So I said to her, rather than looking at it as giving up alcohol forever, can you give it up for the rest of this week? You know, that's, what is it, Friday? So there's only three nights left. Is that possible? Because the idea of giving up something forever is a massive undertaking. But you only ever have to do that minute, that hour, that day at a time. You don't have to put all the, the cumulative efforts of giving up alcohol forever right now. Because that, and people kind of psych themselves out of it. And it's those beliefs, isn't it, that it doesn't life, you know, alcohol does make my life better. But if it does, pick and choose the times when it does. Yeah. I remember one of my clients once saying that she's, you know, she's done really well. I think I can remember her name, my, my email. Um, and she'd said, you know, I really love cheese, but I realized the times I actually love cheese were 10% of my intake. The rest of the time she was having shitty cheese sandwiches that she wasn't even enjoying. And the time when she had a really nice cheese for dessert, you know, after a meal, was a tiny percentage of the time and she absolutely loved it. Is it's fine to enjoy these things, but you've got to look at when you actually enjoy them. When is it that you're just using it as a shitty coping mechanism? It's that thing where you get a new car, if you've got a new car. So say if you've got a Lamborghini. <laughs> Do you want a Lamborghini or a Ferrari? I would, I would say either or. So say Joe got a Lamborghini and like for the first week or two weeks or even month or something, it'd be absolutely buzzing, be super proud of it. But then after a while, it just gets to be mundane. It just gets to be your car. You drive it every day. Blah, blah blah it's not that exciting you have other problems in your life yeah you know what I mean so it just becomes a car then you know and, it, and that's it the shine's kind of worn off whereas if Joe was driving that Lamborghini instead of his Skoda Fabio with the dented boot in because <laughs> we are ballers <laughs> um, if he got to drive that Lamborghini once a month it'd be a huge special occasion and he'd really really appreciate it and that's what it should be like with your food choices you know going back to your cheese example you have cheese every day like I'm eating more cheese your cheese you know, once a week or twice a week, or whatever it is, then it becomes more of a, not like a celebration of cheese, but it becomes a special thing that you appreciate more, you know, as opposed to just kind of driving that same car every single day. It's like, I think it's a, a good a good point because I've looked into, I've talked before about the three bites rule, mm. the idea that the first three bites give you the most pleasure. And I did a quick kind of Google into it. And the idea is that I believe it's like the neurotransmitters in your taste receptors basically tire really quickly. So you get this massive rush from the first few bites and then after a while, it gives you nothing more because it's like a muscle, it's worn out. It's not actually added to your life. And I think there was one thing I often try to do when I'm questioning people and they have- Just have three huge bites. For me, as much as you can. <laughs> and people will have like, you know, start a main dessert for lunch, then have a snack in the afternoon, then a, a, a meal off plan in the evening, and another dessert, then four cocktails. Like, when is enough enough? Like, what did you actually enjoy here? Or you say to them, is there anything you'd cut back on? And people say, nah, 
you'd think, really? Did you really? Like, was every bite of that good? Or was it just the, was it the break from the norm that was good? Was it the fact that you weren't feeling restricted that was good? Because there's other ways to then get around that. And people often say, I don't want to feel restricted. And then it's trying to change that mindset. You know, I'm going a bit of a ramble here. But why are you restricted? Who's restricting you? Yeah. I don't, I honestly don't care what you eat. I really as want to see you're happy. I really want to see you eat well and get good results. But it doesn't affect me. But, you know, if you have one or two or a meal off plan or a day off plan or a week off plan, it affects me if you've been genderly and you're really sad because that's not what we want to see. Hmm. But that's the, the truth behind it, isn't it? Is that we're not restricting you. That's a, an imposition imposed by yourself. It's definitely, again, you know, going back to previous podcasts as well, it's just questioning your beliefs around food. Like I had one client who was saying that she just absolutely loves chocolate. Can't get up chocolate, I love it. And then I just kind of questioned like, okay, but this is how you say your, you know what I mean? You say you love chocolate, but this is what you said in your questionnaire about how your current body shape makes you feel. Do you love chocolate more than you hate this feeling? You know, it's kind of, what's bringing you more pleasure? This chocolate that you're eating every single day or the pain that you're in from feeling you are, you know, compared to the pleasure that you'd have or the joy that you'd have from hitting the goals that you say you want to hit, you know? We ask people how will they feel if they achieve the goals so they can kind of paint a picture of it. It's like, is, would that not be worth restricting your chocolate or you know, maybe just not having chocolate for a while? That's, that's a trade that only you can think, but except people believe so much, you know, I know you always touch on this, um, that this food just brings them so much, so much pleasure. But then if you feel horrific about how you look, you know, how your energy levels are, you know, if your relationship's suffering, if your relationship with your kids is suffering, you know, if your confidence, your social anxiety, all this is suffering from this five minutes, 10 minutes of pleasure that you get from eating chocolate, is that a worthwhile trade? For me, no, mm. definitely not. It's quite, you know, again, interesting. Russell Brand talking about his like sex addiction and stuff and saying about what did it actually give him and actually often it was just a distraction from being lonely and- sedation. Yeah, he was just trying to keep himself, you know, he was using it just to, to, to not have to think about what his real issues were, it's which like is he was lonely. Yeah, it's just yeah. like drinking, eating, taking drugs is uh, another form of sedation, isn't it? It yeah. distracts you from what's really going on. And then you can look, and it's hard, you know, he was saying it's the hardest thing he's done, is to look into his fears and going through his life and looking at times that he was wronged and why it bothered him and just said that it was you know, illuminated why he was thinking the way that he did and why it was so destructive. And that, here we go, cue a sales pitch. The accountability was massive for him. So a big part of the way that it works, I believe with AA and with, you know, other treatment programs is to have someone to reach out to and speak to. You know, a sponsor. Who's, yeah, who's walked that path before, who says, well, this is what you think, you know, you feel like you want to go out and sleep with loads of women, drink loads, take loads of drugs. But what is that gonna give? What's it gonna take away? It's that breaking up of the thought of the thought process, so you're not just there's not just a trigger and you act, but you're adding in more layers of conscious thinking where you're you're then learning to question yourself, and that you, know, you don't have to think. He said he's fourteen and a half years dry now. Again, it's just challenging those beliefs, isn't it? One day at a time. Yeah, yeah. Challenging those beliefs, and that's all. Except fourteen years is all made up of one day at a time. I think you know going back to that time. Well, when we were both harsh dieting. <laughs> And that was, you know, because it was very restrictive, it was very tiring, it did fucking suck. But you did get through it one day at a time. You get to like three, four o'clock, you'd be like, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I really want to eat some high calorie food. 
whatever that was at the time, but then you get through that day and then the following day, you're like, ah, no, I'm, really, I'm so glad I yeah, didn't. really glad I didn't do that, I'm ready to go again. Like I say, if you think that, you know, drinking chocolate, drinking wine or whatever, adds so much to your life, then challenge that by just going, you know what, I'm not gonna have any today, I'm gonna see tomorrow if I go, yeah, fucking hell, I really wish I'd drunk two glasses of wine, I really wish I'd eaten that bar of dairy milk. Well, how often is that yeah. the case? How often do you wake up and think, I wish I'd eaten that last night? I wish I'd eaten more very, last very night, early. unless you wake up really hungry. Um, you know, and then you do that for one day, and then you do that for two days, and then three days, and then by four, you know, it's, you know you're a week in, and then you're two weeks in, and then you're a month in, and then you can make a more, you know, sensible decision as to whether these things are adding or detracting from your life. And the funny thing is, after a month, it gets loads easier, and after a month, you'll see the positive results. People quit before they see the results so people will do a couple of days maybe a week rarely will people do two weeks what a change you're expecting to see in that time and that people they haven't even seen that the positives yet and then decided it's not worth it whereas if you can just persevere with it for a little bit longer in fact that's bullshit often people do see the benefits within a week two weeks they go oh, i do feel better i feel more in control i'm losing weight but they just let they take their foot off the gas they let the habits creep back in they stop challenging themselves and this is why it's so important to work with someone who knows what they're doing because otherwise there's a reason that you're overweight it's because your basic level of training is like you said before your yeah. default setting is what's gotten to where you are now you're not going to change that with one half-assed effort you know you might have done three months of this two years ago and lost loads of weight what have you done since so much you know a huge percentage of our clientele is people who decide who know it works and eventually get to that breaking point and come back if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, then find something else. Yeah, I think an upsetting part of the job for me, one of them, um, is when I will get people contact me from like the daily emails or they'll message pages, stuff like that, and then you see, you know, they'll ask about signing up. You'll see that you had the exact same conversation with them a year ago at the same time, you know, especially kind of getting around to this time. So for a year, all the love, um, you know, done with the first things that we did in 2016, they'll download like the free fat loss guide or they'll have done like a, uh, like a diet check or whatever we did. Yeah. You know, they'll have done something, they'll have done the S28, the, you know, the four week challenge thing that we did like three years ago and they're still trying, you know, they're still attempting to lose weight and it's just three years of kind of wasted time where you could have been living your best life. And you know, for the people who are currently working with us, hopefully this has got across the point of why the questioning is so important we're not really here to give you a food score you pretty much know each day when you've got a 10 or a 9 or 8 we're here to look at those those thought processes and those ingrained fears and those beliefs that need to change because once you've changed those and once you've dug a bit deeper what are you actually really scared of then we can look at, at trying to fix that because a lot of the time it's based in Inaccuracies, you know, a lot based of in beliefs which are real. Yeah, They're just thoughts. I think this might happen if I do this, but you, you don't know. You mentioned a good one before, and I'm going to echo it. I remember going. Um, I was on a night out in Newcastle when I was at uni, and I went up to chat to a pretty young lady, and she just looked at me and went, "No." And I remember spinning around and going, "Well, I'm never doing that again." Then. <laughs> you know, there's loads of proof. Not loads. There's some proof that I can go and speak to women and engage them, and you know, get on with it. But you look at that one painful memory and that's often what defines people. And that's what you know, our clients tend to work, need to work on is that the painful beliefs they have that aren't actually true. You've just, you're just running off one bad example that 
that impacted you negatively? Yeah, so like I say, it's just uh, beliefs are just kind of uh, a, a set of assumptions or ideas that you then believe and so then you kind of you conform to it so you think oh I eat this chocolate's going to make me happy so you eat it when actually it doesn't it makes you sadder you know you think that you can't go and speak in front of a lot of people when everyone there yeah. is hoping that you do really well you know no one wants to see you know you get those people who do like best man speeches or whatever the female equivalent is I don't know um, everyone in that room wants to see you succeed no one wants to go like ah you stammered over a word idiot booze it down you know, it's just those beliefs that you conform to, that you need to challenge, you need to constantly challenge, and especially if they're keeping you somewhere where you don't want to be. Hmm. Yes? Yes. I feel you like we went slightly a killer. But basically, if you fight, it's your fault. Take ownership of it and then challenge your beliefs, I think is a sum up. Find someone who can help you. Yes. If your current based behaviours aren't changing you. Find a really good qualified set of coaches. <laughs> if you don't believe us, my watches. Yeah, if you don't believe us. No qualified set. Said good. <laughs> um, if you don't believe us, then jump in one of our free spot groups and ask if you think it'll work for us. Because we're not here to sell; they will do it for us. Yeah, I don't know if that's it. Yes. Sorry. Right, guys. Keep an eye out for Christmas plan. Consistent Christmas. We're not expecting people to drop a load of weight over Christmas, but the last two years we've run our consistent Christmas, which has helped people either maintain their weight, or actually some of the people have lost, or definitely uh, limit any damage that you normally do over December. If you normally pile on the pounds over December, then consistent Christmas is for you. And we'll be uh, announcing more about that when we are ready, probably the first of December, but, uh, before then. Um, so the idea is to weigh the same on the 31st of December as you do on the 1st of December. So you don't waste all of January losing the weight that you piled on in December. But still, you can have some fucking fun. Starve yourself, 1st to 23rd, and then go back on. <laughs> no Christmas dinners. Right, that's us. Thank you very much. Peace out. Good night. One love. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review.